0: Hey there, it's me, Brandon Harvey. Before we get started, I just want to be honest with you. I was up until 2 a.m. last night because my team and I have been hard at work on issue three of The Good Newspaper. This morning, we sent the files off to the printer, and sometime this week, we are going to watch this piece of digital information get turned into a physical, real-life newspaper. And so I don't even care that I'm barely getting any sleep these days because I am so excited that the newest issue of The Good Newspaper is almost here. We just put the cover up online and the new issue is now available for pre-order. So if you want to check out the cover and if you want to be one of the first to get this new issue, check it out on our website at shop.goodgoodgood.co. I'm seriously so proud of the amazing stories of the good in the world inside of issue three. And I can't wait to see what it inspires inside of you when it shows up at your front door. Okay, now to the show. What if we questioned everything? What if we paid attention to what we supported or encouraged or absorbed and internalized daily in all areas of our lives? I'm finding nowadays that paying attention to how our actions thoughts, and words shape our lives is some of the most important work we can do. It often leads to finding the source of our pain or another's, and ultimately brings about a level of self-actualization. This idea is what Dana Falsetti believes in. Dana is an advocate for women who want to find the confidence to live life more fully. Originally known for her strength in yoga, Dana now uses her platform to inspire critical thinking self-awareness, and confidence across the internet. She's been featured in print and online publications, including but not limited to 17, People, Shape, Upworthy, Mantra, and New York Magazine. In addition to that, she was also the 2017 Shorty Award winner in the health and wellness category. And let me just say that this conversation was incredibly enjoyable for me. I had never met Dana before, I had seen her work online and admired her, but she happened to be in Nashville, I invited her into the studio, and I feel like we had a great time together. I'm so glad that she got to share her story on the podcast. I am Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have hopeful and inspiring conversations with incredible people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. So without any further ado, let's just jump straight into the show. Dana, welcome to Nashville.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked.
0: I'm so happy to have you here in the studio. Yeah. What are you doing in Nashville
1: again? So I'm here for a super quick trip. Um, tomorrow, I'm shooting um, part of a 2018 campaign for a clothing company, Elizabeth Suzanne, that's based that's out of so South, South Nashville. Yeah, and they're really cool. They make sort of sustainable, ethically sourced products. It's all handmade, and the fabrics are all ethically sourced. It's really cool, and I think I think they've been doing mostly straight sizes for a mm. long time and they're just starting to sort of branch a little bit more into plus size ranges and they want to feature more of that. That's Obviously, amazing. I'm very down for all of that representation. Yes. So
0: I'm here to shoot for them tomorrow. I'm super excited. That's so fun. Have yeah. you been modeling for long?
1: No, I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day about this. Someone was like, are you a model? And I was like, no, <laughs> because I, I do model sometimes, but more because of everything else that I do, unless yeah. because I'm a model. I definitely don't consider myself a model or a professional model, but um, as a byproduct of having a message, um, yeah. people like to attach that to things that resonate, and so those are opportunities where I get to be the face of something, and that's super cool.
0: That's amazing, and I mean, I'm not a model, and I don't, I don't have enough experience in this world to really know, but it seems like that would be a really fun place to be coming from because you're sharing your heart more than you're sharing your body in those campaigns.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I don't even, I'm not even super aware of my body. Like, that's kind Mm. of, I'm happy to be somebody who can represent larger bodies, and I believe that that visibility is super important, and it's the basis of a lot that I do, but it's also a lot more than that, in the same way that, you know, the body positive community and just talks about bodies in general, I think, can get a little bit bogged down, and I Mm. think you know, it's important to see them and it's important to accept them and have that sort of narrative around your body, but it's also really important to recognize that that's not all there is. So when I do shoots and if I'm going to be the face for, you know, a company or work with a brand, for me, it's about allowing myself to come through the photos. And that's sort of my hope Mm. in everything that I do, that it's like you're not immediately looking at my body necessarily, but instead you just sort of see this like the light, right? Just yeah. sort of the the vibe of the person, um, and that's that's what I love.
0: This is like a logistical question, but like, <laughs> how do you do that on a shoot? Like, how do you try to bring, you know, your inner self, your light, out in those photos?
1: You know, I think I think it's something that just sort of has happened on its own over time, um, as I have gotten more self aware, like as I've sort of gotten more grounded. In who I am because a few years ago I definitely wasn't and it's sort of been this progressive journey of sort of coming home to myself and in that process um, it just becomes easier on a day-to-day basis to just sort of be like this is who I am and this is what I do and you can just take it or leave it and being on social media right and knowing that not everybody's going to like everything that you do and other people are going to love it and that's fine too and you know I just feel I feel sure of my message and of what I believe and how I want to help people. And so because I sort of have that assuredness of self, not that I'm not always learning and growing and shifting. totally But because I have that, it's easy to just show up with that. You know, it's sort of this unshakable truth of who you are. And when you have that, it's just with you all the time. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that sense of confidence in who you are and what your purpose is. And you doing this thing aligns with your purpose. Therefore, you can kind of follow down that path. How long do you think that that's been true for you? You know, because from following you online for a little bit and seeing some of the stories you've shared, it seems relatively recent, but also, you know, a couple of years. What is that What is that for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's been probably four-ish years that I've sort of been actively on this path that I'm on now. That's amazing. And before that, I say that I was sort of asleep. Like, I kind of just feel like I wasn't, you know aware of my body. I wasn't awake in my life, like in my mind and in my emotions. And that's sort of the shift that's happened over the last few years. It's obviously been sort of a slow moving process, but uh, it's, you know, it's been amazing. And it's really just that sense of authenticity that I'm always ranting and rambling about. And it's not something that's easy to find because we're not really encouraged to find it, you Mm. know. And, And when I realized that as I was sort of stepping into whoever my authentic self was. And I realized, you know, of course people don't seek this out because we're sort of told from every angle that it doesn't matter, right? Like in mainstream magazines, you need more and you need less and you have to look a certain (laughs) way and you need diet pills and you need like whatever the fuck. And it's just, you know, so if you believe all of that, then there's no point in like seeking who you are. And as soon as I realized that that was my autonomy, like that was my power in finding that person and then being that person, That's been sort of the steady shift, and now I know that it changes all the time, and I'm always shifting and always growing, but there's still this sense of self that comes with me through all of that.
0: Bring me back to maybe even just the beginning of your story when you self-describe yourself as asleep. Like, Like, when did this kind of begin?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's so hard. Like, when I travel and teach my workshops, I give sort of the spiel of my life and I never know where to start because it's like how do you pick the point that your life like turned into a clusterfuck. Birth. <laughs> but, yeah exactly <laughs> but it's like I don't know you know I just I my whole life until a few years ago was just all about my body it was just all about weight it was all about external validation it was constant dieting and sort of cycling through weight loss and gain with no other purpose and that was like middle school high school all the way through college and um I was just very shut off from everything else that was available to me, like the capacities of my own life and self-awareness and general awareness and really enjoying feeling and experiences. I was so shut off from all of that because Hmm. I... Well, one, I was disassociated from my body completely. And then two, uh, there was no part of me seeking out like what I loved or what my passion was or what I wanted to do. It was all just, how can I get smaller and lose weight so I can look more like this ideal? And then once I do that, I'll be able to do all of these other things that yeah, I want to do. Yeah.
0: You're kind of stuck. You're like in a waiting phase.
1: Exactly. Waiting. Waiting for what? <laughs> but waiting. And... I did that for a long time, you know, and I cycled. I lost and gained weight for years and years, and then I hit this point in college where um, I sort of spiraled, like, totally out of control on this, like, health mission to sort of really lose the weight. You know, I had lost 20 or 30 pounds throughout my life, but I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the time. I'm going to lose this weight, and And then everything's going to be better.
0: At the time, did you think that that was, like, a healthy, good thing, or did you kind of know in the back of your head that... Like, no,
1: I don't think I did. I really think at the time that it was like, that's what I believed to be true. And I had, I was led to believe that from so many different places, from doctors, from my family, from mainstream media, from all over the place. And it wasn't until I had the significant weight loss, which, Mm. you know, I lost like a lot of weight in a year and a half or so. And my body really changed. And I got into sort of the new body and realized that wow, my body changed that I had not changed. And it was the first time that something clicked in me that maybe it wasn't this external seeking of my body shifting that was going to, you know, make me content in my life, but maybe something else. And I didn't know what that was yet. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time that I sort of started realizing, oh, maybe this is not
0: what I thought. And what was it like when you you lost all this weight? What What were other people saying to you? Because... I would imagine that that's pretty different from what you were kind of mentally thinking.
1: Exactly. And actually, that's the only distinction that I really noticed when I lost a lot of weight was how other people were interacting with me, how society was interacting with me. Everybody was congratulating me, which, you know, if anybody follows me already, you know I'm always going off about how we innately congratulate weight loss um, and innately sort of shame and shun weight gain, but people gain and lose weight for all sorts of different reasons. A lot Um, of them unhealthy. Exactly. And it was, you know, like now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in this phase of, I was not healthy at all. Not in my eating, not in the way that I was living my life, not in my intentions, nothing. Um, But I lost this weight, right? And other people were congratulating and you look so amazing now. And aren't you happier now? And all those sort of expected comments. And I think I needed those comments to realize that I wasn't because the way other people were seeing me was not how I was seeing myself. Um, And maybe that was true my whole life, right? So as much as I felt demonized by other people around me, there's certainly something to be said for the way that society dehumanizes people in fat bodies. But as much as I felt that, I realized that I was doing it to myself worse than anybody else Hmm. could have done it to me. And it's not that your physical body can't limit you and it's not that... Um, you know, systems can't limit you and society can't limit you in certain ways. But I had this this moment where I realized that I was limiting myself more than anything else or anybody else could. Um, and in that, I was able to sort of turn that into my autonomy and my power and realize, well, if that's true, then I have the power um, yeah. to not.
0: On a really practical level, what was the process of flipping that switch like for you? Because... I think it would be easy to be like, wow, she gained her autonomy in that moment. No. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? It was, was my yoga practice. So what happened oh. was after all the weight loss, still wasn't happy, and I sort of stumbled upon – yoga sort of by mistake. Well, without, what was that mistake? Without any intention of, of it enlightening me in any sort of way. I was just home for the summer after sophomore year of college. There was a studio by my house that had a good deal for students to be home for the summer. And I was like, you know what? got to Let it. me just try it. I'm, <laughs> you know, I was sick of going to the gym and this was right after my year of active weight loss. And I still wanted to be moving, but try something new. So I tried, I tried yoga and, um... I've talked a lot about that first class and I remember the first class very vividly. I mean, I had my ass handed to me in this yoga class and I was not anticipating it because a lot of people think yoga is just sort of stretching and it's kind of easy. Yeah, it's like
0: the easy workout.
1: Exactly. And I like, I showed up after all this weight loss and being at the gym, and I figured, oh, it would be fine. Meanwhile, the most fundamental postures were super hard for me. I could not hold them. The resting postures were not working for my body. And then I sort of fell back into this, like, okay, I don't belong in this space the same way that I felt like I didn't belong in a lot of spaces my whole life. And I was the beginner on top of that. And I continued to practice in the beginning, purely out of pride because I was still, you know, I had not made that shift from external to internal validation. And so I was still seeking out other people to tell me That I was okay or that I was worthy or that I could do it. And so I figured I'll be the fat girl who can do the headstand and I'll be the fat girl who can do all of these yoga poses and I'll show everybody what's what. You know, meanwhile, no one cared what I could or couldn't (laughs) do, right? And it was me. It was me that I I needed to know that I could do it. Hmm. And so, you know, I can't even be mad at myself for being so prideful because it's that pride that led me to to prove something to myself that... I needed, And then all of a sudden the pride started to turn into empowerment and and sort of self-actualization. Uh,
0: so tell me about the process after yoga became, you know, less of a, a sense of pride and more of a sense of self-actualization.
1: Yeah. So that shift, I mean, slow and steady and continuous. Um, I think a lot of people in the beginning, you know, we're, were egocentric beings because we have consciousness. And we're vain, right? And we're vain for a variety of reasons. And I, I also, I understand uh, visual, right? So we're kind of obsessed with bodies. We're obsessed with abilities. And it's easy to see a photo of someone and connect and relate to that. So there's a lot of um, weight in The physical practice and the asana practice, right? So in the beginning, I think a lot of people's practices are fueled by pride, just generally speaking, because that's where people's heads are at. It's like, how can I prove myself and how can I do this really cool trick and how, you know, we're (laughs) sort of really focused on that. Um, But I find what happens is as you continue to practice, it becomes less about – what can be easily seen or easily understood, and it becomes much more internal just on its own, sort of through the breath and through the connection of your mind and your body as you're moving, and you're sort of forced um, to connect with yourself because that's the way the practice works. And because of that, um, I think the natural shift moves from external to internal, and I understand why the fixation is on that external to begin with. It's a lot harder to... Um, engage someone in a conversation about philosophy than it is to show you a photo of a handstand on a beach or or something (laughs) like that, right? So I get it. um, But that shift is so necessary because that's the beauty of of what the practice can give you is this amazing sense of self-awareness. And I harp so strongly on self-awareness because I see it as this essential starting point to sort of everything else that comes after it. And this concept of you know, without that sense of self-awareness, I think maybe everything else is a little bit precarious.
0: That's so interesting. <laughs> it sounds like for a long time, you disengaged your mind from your body. Yeah. As you started to connect those things through yoga, was that scary at all, like in the beginning?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely was. It was, it was a little bit scary, but it was also, it was cool. It was the first time that I had any understanding, any yearning to sort of connect my mind and my body. And and it was the first time that I realized my body could be strong and and could be capable of a lot of things I believed. And I think a lot of other people would believe I'm not capable of. And, you know, I needed that. Like at the time, I really needed that physical strength in my body to see for the first time that i I had this ability um, to show up for myself, to do something good and positive for myself. And, you know, that physical strength was sort of the starting point for me that led me down this path of just wondering what else in my life I might be capable of. And finding that one way through my yoga practice to show up for myself repeatedly and do something that no one else could give me. And that's the thing that I love about it so much. There's no shortcut and there are no tips and tricks. And uh, it's the same lessons that I teach now, right? It's like, I'm not uh, innately inspiring and I'm not here to uh, empower you and I can't, right? Because that would be external validation again. And instead it's like the toolbox, right? So the practice over time, you build up this toolbox of resources all on your own just by showing up um, that give you the tools to function in a more sort of authentic and full and aware way in your life.
0: What's that ripple effect like beyond, you know, the yoga studio where you leave and because you've, you know, you've learned this thing about yourself that you're able to accomplish something you never thought you could before. What does that start doing in other aspects of your life?
1: I mean, for me, I won't speak for others, (laughs) but for me, uh, I mean, it's changed everything. Like the trajectory of my entire life has shifted based on, Uh, this sort of awareness that I've gained through my yoga practice. And it's because um, I'm not as fearful. Like I'm not as fearful anymore to go after what I want and to be myself and to speak up. And I don't have as much doubt as I did before. And I'm not holding on to as much shame, external sort of placed society standard based shame that I was holding on to for so long. And um, shame is a really strong driver that, is easy to hold on to in a variety of ways and I think can really, really limit how much you're willing to seek yourself out. Um, And that has, you know, that's been the real shift. So, you know, not afraid to go on social media and go on a rant about something that's really important to me, not afraid to do public speaking engagements, not afraid to be seen um, in a magazine or in some clothing campaign or, um, or less than that, even just to live in a way that Really resonates with me. I like road trips and I like being outside and I let you know I like to do things that make me feel um and that's the, that's the other shift right it's like I want to feel everything for the rest of my life in the fullest possible way and when you don't know who you are or you're holding on to shame or you're afraid or you're you know you have doubt or or whatever it is um they're like walls they're walls that keep you from sort of the sensuality of everything that is life, right? Everything to me just is amazing, right? And I tell this story in my workshop sometimes about, um, again, that difference between visual uh, or obvious senses and feeling, right? Like you picture, um, I talk about being at Glacier National Park in Montana and it's one of my favorite places it's so beautiful and you're you know you're standing looking at this amazing view and it's absolutely stunning the mountains are gorgeous there's flowers it couldn't be any more perfect right but then you close your eyes and somehow the whole moment feels even more amazing than it looks right and it's like that's how i want to live my hmm. whole life and that's how i want other people to be able to live too
0: that's beautiful during this time, you are doing yoga, but you're also in school, right?
1: Not anymore. Okay,
0: but but at the time. <laughs> I was.
1: I was, yeah, I was just finishing up college. What yeah. were you studying? Music. I went to Loyola okay. in uh, wow, New okay. Orleans, actually, for music business. And, and I saw
0: you playing guitar on your Instagram story yeah. yesterday. You've got a beautiful voice. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I've been a singer my whole life, and before this before social media, like pseudo celebrity <laughs> <laughs> status and yoga traveling and all of this stuff. Um I was a musician and that was sort of my path um
0: up until a few years ago. Was that pre-self-awareness in some ways too?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what? it was.
0: Do you, <laughs> you still have a beautiful voice. It's not like you lacked awareness and you're like, I'm amazing and you're not, you yeah, know, no. something like that. <laughs> no. Like, do you feel like you've lost that at all or or you, is, is this just a stronger passion? Mm. I've thought about that quite a lot.
1: I do miss music. I love music. And and when I, mm, when I was younger, I think because I was so shut off from feeling and I didn't know how to express myself and didn't feel understood by others, um, music was sort of my go-to. And it was the thing that allowed me to express myself in a way um, – That didn't take so much um, self-assuredness necessarily from me. Interesting. Um, And it was also listening to music that resonated with me, me, let me feel like I was understood. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. No, that's
0: that's how I feel about music (laughs) too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and so it was that for me for a long time. And I think it was also that's how I connected. You know, playing music with people because I didn't have this, I didn't have that self realization that self actualization to put myself out there in other ways and so i think music was the way that i sor- sort of covered
0: all of those bases yeah. in the but beginning but it also helped it helped bring you through
1: oh absolutely i mean music has been yeah, I mean, a foundation there, of my whole life. I feel
0: like there's way less healthy coping mechanisms in the world. Than, there are. I than mean, music. I also engaged.
1: <laughs> I've also engaged in some of those. But yeah, I've I've music is important to me and I, I still make music with a few of my friends and I still love to sing and you know, I haven't been as passionate about it. And I've asked myself the same question. I'm like, what is that shift? Is it just that all of these other things are really important to me now? And I feel very strongly about them. And that's definitely true. And I think it's also that I have found other ways to express myself, like through being on social media, I learned that I love to write. And then I kind of learned that I love to speak. And it's definitely all, uh, it's all congruent, because it's like, maybe I wouldn't be into public speaking if I had never learned to get on stage and play music, or yeah. who knows, you know, it's all... It all flows, right?
0: Yeah. It's all part of the path. Yeah. Tell me about the process of starting to gain followers online. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. thing.
1: Yeah. Uh. I, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, when was it? It was my senior year of college. Yeah. It was my senior year of college and I had started posting on Instagram when I started practicing. So like kind of into junior year, something like that.
0: Kind of emulating what other people in the yoga community were doing or something different?
1: Mm, I mean, there were other people. I mean, now it's like all over the place. It's very different now. But a few years ago, there was definitely yoga on Instagram, um, but definitely not people who looked like me uh, practicing. And that's not why I started posting, though. I started posting just as a way to sort of keep a, a journal, like keep yeah. a photo journal of my practice and see it evolve over time. And I was not anticipating um, gaining a following or ever doing this. I, I mean, this this has been a wild dream for the last few years. But I started posting and people started, you know, finding the page and leaving me comments like, you know, I never thought that I could do this. I never thought I could practice until I saw this this picture of you or Um, you know, I would never step foot in a yoga studio because I don't feel like I belong there and how could I learn from you or, you know, things like that. People who felt like there wasn't any representation
0: uh, for them.
1: And I related to that because I felt like that my whole life. That's
0: so interesting.
1: Yeah, I just sort of, I slowly and organically just sort of started becoming this person.
0: And you were creating your own representation. You weren't like, I'm going to be on the cover of this yoga magazine. Like, you just started representing yourself, sharing your story and people who needed that we naturally drawn.
1: Exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's been am- And that's the best thing you could ever want is for everything to just be organic. And it's been amazing. And in the beginning, I didn't really understand it. I was like, why do people love this so much? And why is this so inspiring? And it, it took me a while uh, to realize it. But actually, it's what we were talking about before we started recording, right? It's like the thing that's inspiring is being yourself and, and being outspoken in that person and being authentic and being vulnerable and sharing. And I think that that was something else that sort of distinguished what I was doing on social media from a lot of other types of content on social media is everything I do is about vulnerability and transparency because my Instagram was like a journal for me. So I share, you know, I would share everything, my struggles and hardships and things that people are terrified to talk about. Um, I talk about all of those things and it's been a healing process for myself. It's essential for my own growth. I love getting my thoughts into words. And that's really helpful for me. And it's also really helpful for other people. And so what could be better? It's like, I feel like I'm just on this path of doing my own thing and just figuring myself out and continuing to seek that person out and just sharing everything that
0: happens along the way. That's When you say that, it kind of terrifies me a little bit too. And, And I'm somebody who, I think I've been really vulnerable online from time to time. And I think that that's in some ways how I started to kind of grow this audience. And and I have these phases where I go in and out of it, you know, maybe depending on what's going on in my life or what I think is, you know, okay for me to share because it's just about myself and what is maybe not okay to share because it's about other people and myself. Yeah. And... Hearing you say that just kind of gave me like the heebie-jeebies a little bit, but it's like the nice kind of heebie-jeebies where I'm like, oh, I need to like keep on reminding myself to be vulnerable yeah, because not, I mean, it's amazing for other people. I think other people connect with that vulnerability, but it's, it does something unique for yourself when you put yourself out there and it, it maybe takes away some of the shame and some of the fear and... Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like now I'm getting those good heebie jeebies yeah. and I'm angry and happy. No, right? I mean
1: it, it is. It's really it's necessary. And I I've thought about this so much because it was never intentional, right? So it's sort of like retroactively I've looked at how everything has grown and yeah. realized this that this is why, you know. And so what happened was I actually remember when it was a buzzfeed list. It was like 10 plus sized yoga people to follow on Instagram, and I'm on this list. And I was like, I mean, it was the first, you know, I'm like just some kid in yeah. co- college. You know, like, this is <laughs> the site like, that the- I used. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, it was wild. And then I, I remember I hit like 10,000 followers or something. And at the time I was I was just floored that people cared or that anybody was paying attention. Yeah. And I just I just stayed true to myself and I just kept doing what I wanted to do. And I, f- I was coming up on graduation from, from school and I was feeling super drawn to what I was learning from my yoga practice and Mm. felt very drawn to share it. And like it was sort of this necessary, um, offering for people, especially these people who don't feel represented and who are marginalized in any way, who don't feel, um, you know, safe in a lot of these spaces that are yoga centric or spiritual or, or whatever it is. Um, and I wanted them, to be able to have this experience in their own way, of course, that I was having. Um, because like I said, I feel like I just went through this shift from being really asleep in my life in a way that I now recognize a lot of people um, feel and shifting to being really awake. And that's how yeah. I want, you know, I want people to to have the opportunity and know that they have the capacity to live life sort of in this completely other, other way.
0: It's incredible that your vulnerability online and you sharing is completely coming from the place of your experiences. You're not just like, what am I gonna write today? You're <laughs> you're just going out and having experiences and, and that compels you to share. And I think that's the best thing. Yeah. The best way to to put things out in the world. Outside of internet world, what other ways are you, you know, empower or I guess not empowering people because you just brought that up earlier. <laughs> yeah. But what other ways are you connecting people, helping other people empower themselves, giving people tools?
1: Yeah. So I would I mean, the primary thing is the workshops. So I teach accessible yoga workshops all over the and place and travel mean? everywhere. I was just going to say, let me see like, that I'm like so means. outside yeah. of yoga world. So accessible essentially means um, not geared towards thin, able-bodied People Right. So your traditional yoga class is likely to be geared towards someone who can move freely, who is small in their body, who maybe doesn't need a lot of variations or whatever it might be. Accessible yoga. There's a huge spectrum, of course. Right. Might be for fat bodies. Um, It could even be right classes for people of color. It could be um, for disabled bodies, for all sorts of um, levels and points of accessibility, essentially to create a safe space and an accessible space for as many people. People as possible. Um, and it's sort of few and far between. There are a lot of other people though who have been doing this a lot you know longer than than when I came into the game here, but I've recognized how necessary it is. And sort of the more I've worked in corporatized yoga, the more I've realized how necessary it is. And, and so my goal through teaching accessibly is to give people this toolbox right to give them, insights to body awareness so that they can sort of link all of these pieces together themselves and come out feeling really empowered. So like, I'm not going to pull you up into the headstand, but instead I'm going to tell you not to do it because you're not ready yet. And that's your ego, right? Like calm the fuck down. And then these are all of the tools. You're going to use patience and you're going to use perseverance and you're going to learn sort of these necessary lessons along the way that help you live more fully and authentically in your life.
0: That's beautiful. I can kind of see you coming to life as you talk about that. Yeah. Is that one of your favorite things that you are doing right now?
1: Yeah, I love it. I've part of me is a little bit burnt out, not from teaching accessibly, but from working in corporatized yoga, which is just sort of like irony in and of itself, uh. and that's a whole that's a whole conversation for sure. <laughs> so part of me is burnt out a little bit from that, just sort of the mix of a cultural practice um and capitalism essentially and how those things intersect, but not to the point of stealing my joy over what I'm able to offer. And it's absolute—it's the absolute light of my life. I mean, I'm like in tears every time I teach at the end because I tell everybody how much it is sort of this gift back to me that I never could have anticipated to be able to experience other people experiencing joy and sort of realizing what they're capable of, right? Like the moment that someone is able to do something they didn't think they could do, and I get to experience that with them. Like those are the things that keep me going. So as much incredible. as it is what I offer to them, like I wouldn't be able to do it or sustain it without them yeah. sharing that experience with me.
0: One of the big things that we focus on, on, sounds good, but also in our, we've got a newspaper that is called the Good Newspaper, and we've got all these other things we put out in the world. We really focus on this idea that the things that kind of piss you off or anger you or frustrate you, you know, not to let those things completely overwhelm you with cynicism, but to respond with action. Say, hey, I don't want this to be this way anymore, and you're like pumping I, your fist. I just wanted in the to air. clap. Can
1: I clap? Uh, you
0: can clap. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like that's what you're doing. You're you're kind of pushing back on this system that you know for a, a long time has has been built for a certain kind of person. And you're saying, no, like, and you're not just saying, no, I hate this. I'm leaving the system, creating something new. Like, you're you're saying, I'm going to refine this. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to create something that's not been created before. Absolutely.
1: And it is that action. I love that you just said that because... That is, I've been thinking about that so much lately because I, I, I feel myself getting pulled into that cynicism about the corporate yoga space and the things that I don't like and the the reasons that I do what I do, right? What is that anger? And it's funny because I think anger is essential. Like anger is an essential emotion that um, can be the spark for so much change. Totally. But what you said, action has to come from it, right? It can't just linger as hate. And I think – momentary anger uh can be an amazing thing if it leads to action it's that prolonged anger that i think is your own inaction that leads to that cynicism and so i catch myself in that and a lot of the time it's like i feel myself getting angry but it's really because there's more that i want to do there's more for me to do to sort of combat the things that have led me to
0: this work what are you excited about right now what's on the horizon for you
1: you know, I'm excited about a lot of things. This, I feel like this year um, is about to to be sort of pivotal for me and have a lot of shifts. And some of it has been backing off from the yoga space a little bit and more into speaking engagements and writing. Um, and brand partnerships, and that's just sort of been a natural byproduct of of my yoga practice and expanding my mind right, yeah. into sort of uh, higher consciousness and just being in critical thought mode all the time, and I just have thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts that's that I incredible. like to share, and so that's been the shift, and that's what I'm seeking out. I still want to teach accessible yoga because it's super important to me, um, but there's so much more also that I want to keep sharing, Great. and so, you know, I talk not just about yoga anymore. And that's been the other shift. Now it's everything it's philosophy and it's sexuality and it's all sorts of, um, topics that are so relevant to everybody surrounding shame and fear and doubt and self-worth and all of these ideas. So shifting in that direction for sure about to start a podcast, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, more brand partnerships and writing, you know, I would love to, to work on a book, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, put that out in the universe (laughs) a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, so writing, my shift is that for sure. And I've been feeling very strongly drawn towards more writing and more speaking and helping to lift the consciousness, sort of the collective consciousness a little bit higher.
0: That's amazing. I think you're already doing such a good job of that. And I, I love seeing that you're just bringing more tools into your toolbox. You're saying, here's another way I can do this. Here's another way I can do this. I feel like I want to just end by asking you, you know, for people who are listening to this and and maybe they feel stuck or disconnected from themselves or maybe even a, a deep sense of shame, what is one practical action step you can encourage people to take to, you know, come to this greater sense of self-awareness like you have and like you're continuing to every day?
1: Yeah, I would say probably the most important step Um is realizing where the shame and where the fear and the doubt come from. And I guess, again, that's that self-awareness. And it's easier said than done, but when you realize that a lot of the shame that you feel comes not from yourself but from maybe the perceptions of others or um, from mainstream media trying to push products on you or, or something like that, it becomes a little more, um, the path clears a little bit more to be able to seek yourself out. So I think... That would be my number one. Raise the self-awareness a little bit. Recognize where sort of your limits are coming from and shift from whatever you're doing now (laughs) into more feeling.
0: Wow, showing up for ourselves has never felt more important. I'm totally struck by this idea. That we are so much more than our bodies or anyone's opinion of it. We have too much to offer and too much important work to do to spend time worrying about catching up to society standards that all too often silence our self assuredness. Maybe self awareness is the most important work we can all do. After listening to this episode, you should absolutely find Dana on Instagram. Her username is at Nolatrees. And maybe even check out her site and sign up for one of her workshops or, you know, take a class from her. If this is your very first time listening to the podcast, we truly hope it won't be your last. If you liked this conversation, you will totally connect with our conversation with Erin Erickson. She's the founder of So Worth Loving, and she has so much to say about the topics that we covered in this episode. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good, Good, Good a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Thanks to Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio for editing and mixing the show, and to Christy Karenbrock for production support. Issue 3 of The Good Newspaper is almost here, and I am so excited for you to see it. You can check out the cover, pre-order the newspaper, or just subscribe to get a whole year of The Good Newspaper at shop.goodgoodgood.co. I am so proud of the incredible stories that our team has included in this issue, and you're not going to want to miss it. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. And in Dana's own words, remember to speak for something and stand for something that sparks change. Sound good?